coming up on this edition of the Die Hard Den podcast. As always, we continue to tell you something good. Positive news and notes from around the Lions organization. Then we go on the ball and defend the den as we look at the offensive and defensive performances versus the Texans in week two of the preseason. Then we have an outright profile on another Lions legend. And now you know it's back. Covering pass interference review. All this and more coming up on this edition of the Die Hard Den podcast. Here comes that roar. What up, though? And welcome to the Die Hard Den podcast. This is Kurt Steele. And as, as always, I'm with my man, Shawnee J. Hey, Curtis. What's going on? It's going to be a busy show, my man. But as we always do at this time, it is time to tell me something good. So my man, Shawnee J, tell me something good. Well, Mr. Curtis, tell me something good. Um, two key defenders, the Lions are really going to count on this year. Two big guys. Damon Snack Harrison was pulled off the NFI, the NFI list today. And also Mike Daniels, who was brought over from Green Bay, free agent, he had his first practice with the Lions. Expect to see him maybe get a few snaps in there against the, the third preseason game against the Buffalo Bills on Thursday. That's the dress rehearsal. They won't probably won't play a lot, but get a few snaps or at least a quarter, I would say, because you're not going to play in the last game. I'd be, be very surprised to see any starter playing that last game. And I'm really counting on those two guys in the middle, stuff the middle. I mean, the Lions I, theoretically be very difficult to run against. I, I can't see these two guys together. Plus, we got the Bama boys backing them up. And so the Lions defense on paper looks at least formidable. And I think they're going to be good. Just give them some time, let them jail, let them play together. So that's my tell me something good. Okay. Fans, this week, I have a couple of things real quick. Along with those other two individuals, free agent acquisition, Tommy Lee Lewis, came off the pup list, and he actually participated in the game with the Texans. Good thing for Tommy Lee Lewis. He's working his way back into the system and the offense and special teams, so good for him to be off the pup list. Quandre Diggs hosted a community outreach event in his hometown of Antrington, Texas. It's right outside Houston. So he handed out backpacks and school supplies to the local kids in the area for the intermediate school kids, age kids. So that's like middle school. It was a good showing that several of his teammates came out to the event to include Matthew Stafford, Darius Slay, and a slew of other players, Kenny Galladay, On Johnson. These individuals came out, showed love for Quandre as he showed love to his community that he grew up in. Um, his grandmother, his uh, family was there, including his brand new daughter, uh, Aria. Big shout out to Quandre Diggs doing big things in his hometown, Angleton, Texas, right before the game. Moving on, it is time to go on the ball. On the ball this week, offense versus the Texans. This is what I saw. And then after I get done, Johnny J, you tell me what you saw. All right. Once again, Matthew Stafford sat unlikely to play in the preseason at all. Did not play against the Texans. Josh Johnson started, and he looked like he just uh, 
Walker came into camp for five days. Josh Johnson looked like a guy who didn't really know the system that well. He didn't have any timing with the receivers, especially with the starters. He missed a lot of open throws. But as he played on in the game, he did find his rhythm close to the halftime. You had three running backs that averaged over five yards per carry. Thompson, Zach Denner, and Kerryon Johnson. That's a big thing with the Lions actually ranked sixth in the preseason in rushing. TJ Hawkinson, that guy, TJ Hawkinson really impressed me. He can block. You know, he had that one penalty for the crackback block. You know which, what? I'm sorry. Let me interrupt, but I was right on the way home. I heard on the radio. Was it really a crack block? Was he really guilty of that? He missed. He whipped. He whipped on the block. However, the way that they're enforcing the rule this season, it's, it was considered a crackback because if the new rule states the player cannot feel and turn back into the field of play, like toward the line of scrimmage and throw a block. I think that's the rule. So basically the rules are different. The rules for crackback are different this year. And they're really emphasizing that rule in preseason. We'll see how it goes. Changing that rule or really enforcing it is going to make a difference during the game. The Adabuse block, that was, I didn't hear you at all. Go ahead. Go ahead. We see that I'm again. sorry. That was a legal block. He was protecting his quarterback. He was behind the quarterback. Mm-hmm. But he hit the defender coming straight on, you know. And he, he was a good, strong block. It wasn't low. It wasn't at his mm-hmm. knees or anything. It wasn't dirty. But they called a penalty on that. Even Chris Spillman was going off on that play. Yeah, that's I follow TJ Lang on social media. Looking at his Twitter page, he said the same thing. He said that call was absolute garbage. Every couple of years, you get this thing from the NFL where they want to try to enforce a rule differently. We'll see how it transcribes to the regular season. If they're going to keep calling it that way or they're going to just kind of let it ride out. Another thing, David Fells. David Fells showed up. Guy had a better showing. 12 of 19, 226 yards and a touchdown. He had a really good game. The offensive line, I don't know about your boy Bo, but however, the offensive line gave up two sacks for the game. And one One of them was actually Johnson's fault. It was a quick throw play. It was supposed to be a three-step drop, and he held the ball. Really, I would say the offensive line gave up one sack. They turned the ball over twice uh, by Josh Johnson. He had a fumble and an interception. I'm not really harping on his performance. The guy had only been in training camp for like five days and was the starter. That's pretty hard for someone to do to come off the street really or, you know, come off from another team and start a game. Uh, in the NFL without really knowing the system. Overall, I was really impressed with the performance as far as the way they came together. I think the offense will definitely look better with Matthew Stafford in it, but we'll get to that later on down the line. But I like the fight they had as far as on both sides of the ball, but particularly the offense. They just played a better game. They just seemed to be in a better rhythm, especially when Fales got on the field. He seemed to move the ball up and down the field. One other negative, really, they had 18 first downs, which was good. Any more than the last game because they only had eight in the game against the Patriots. However, the team only went one and 11 on third down. So out of 12, they won it third down convert. That's not good at all. We got to improve on that with third, third down situational football. However, I thought it was a good overall performance. What did you see, Sean? Yeah, it was definitely, you know, better than last week against New England. That's for sure. They couldn't do nothing against New England. Um, they were Chris for a little bit. Like I said, Josh Johnson. Hey, man, you know, five days notice and was starting the game. He looked raggy, he looked rusty, you know. Um, well, he, like I said, he, 
he fell down he made a few completions you know he needs more time I think he'd be a good quarterback a backup for us if, if Tom Savage is unavailable this season because concussion issues like this is the fourth concussion that Savage suffered in the last two years so I'm surprised he's still playing and um, David Fells was you know he showed something he played much better this week um, then he didn't get the wingers he had better he had more time and they did that against the Patriots the two sacks both on Johnson so Fells wasn't even touched this week or illegally officially sacked I thought he was going to pull it out for us but he made some good throws to the end but his tight ends dropped the ball and made some good passes on him and in that last attempt to help Mary mm-hmm. it looked good you know, like it's going to be a Lions touchdown for a minute. The Texans, however, <laughs> was able to knock it away. But I think Fell shows show me something. Is it enough? Starting backup job behind Matthew Stafford? Well, that would be determined in the final two preseason games. And um, right. I, I did see my Bo, my boy Bo out there. I did see him in Big 63. I was watching him closely. He made uh, some good blocks. He was out there for oh, real. Oh, uh, Bo was out there? Yes, I didn't, I didn't even pay attention, man. He was out there, number 63. I was watching Okay. Him. And... Um, he made some blocks. He kept the pressure off the quarterback. He made open some running lanes for the running back. Um, you see all three running backs average five yards of carry. That's because Big Bull is out there. I'm telling you, he should be the, <laughs> he should be the starter. And this, these are the things okay. that I look for um, in preseason games. You know, not necessarily winning. Yeah, you still like to win, but the guys, do they perform when they're out there? Like, And like I mentioned, do, they, do we really need another receiver out there? Because Travis Fulham, is that right? The six round pick out of Oak D. Yes, that is that that is him. He, yes. And his teammate is there, Jonathan Duhart. Well, Fulham made some nice yep. catches. He made some cal- a nice Calvin Johnson, Herman Moore type catch on the sideline. There, do you see that? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, look like Kenny, like Kenny Galladay to me. Yes, or or at least Herman like, Moore, yeah. Calvin he wouldn't harm his number. <laughs> I said, did Herman come back out of retirement? Yeah. <laughs> and do we need, you know, I understand Don Cho Edelman, like you said, sign, resign with the Chargers, but I think we should go with the young guys. I think we've got some promising young guys in in Oakham, mm-hmm. and I still like um, Powell. I think those guys are right. a shot, you know, instead of trying to go out and sign a veteran right receiver. Right. Those young guys, even Tom Kennedy looked good for a minute, even when he fumbled a punt, but he covered it, so you, you know, know I will say Lewis, this. So, I think we should give the young guys. I like Kenny. He kind of remind me of that that prototype Patriot type receiver. He is going to get open. He knows how to break off his routes and get to an open spot, which is rare because the guy is a lacrosse player. You wouldn't think he will come transform into football so quickly, but I like the way that he can get open on routes and he finds the open area and kind of sits down in it. He knows how to get open. It's going to be a tough call for when you have them make this cut down to 53 and who's going to be on the team and who's not. So, I mean, he may be on the practice squad. You never know. You know who I really liked? Who's a, who's a, a, a very good, typical Patriots player. He's with the Lions the last few years in preseason, but never made the team. Number 16, that little receiver. You know what I'm talking about. 16. Um, oh, um, Jace Billingsley. Who? Billingsley. Yeah, Jace Billingsley. I really liked him. He's not. He's a Patriot player. He was good. He made some plays. I don't know why they don't keep him around. Uh, yeah, he... He spent his couple of years on the tra- on the on the practice squad. I think his um limit or his time limit for practice squad is up. I think he spent his a lot of time on the practice squad, Two, so he's seasons, not allowed yeah. to be on him. Yeah, he he's his time has to lap for eligibility for the practice squad player. He, he's so, a Patriots good player. show by the him. Yeah, he's definitely a Patriots. Yeah, player. he is a, a prototype 
uh, Patriots type receiver. Good job of the offense this week overall. You know, we didn't win the game, but they had a better showing than they did with the Patriots. Let's move on to the defense. Now it's time to defend the den. Shawnee J on the defense. Tell me what you saw. I saw an improved effort, too, on defense. Um, I think they got the first sack. My man, Okwara, got it. You know, yes, pressure. He, he got, and I like it. He's one of my favorite players. He's, he's starting defensive end. He's he's going to want to say, you know, along with Trey Flowers, who hasn't played yet either. But look for him to play a few snaps Thursday's game, the third preseason game is the Bills. Um, the D, couple, we got an interception, Andrew Adams, or a rookie, not a rookie, but a free agent acquisition. He made a nice pick. That was good. I like seeing that. Was nice. That and was also nice. Also, the third round pick, the guy we got, we had who we had to trade Golden Tayway for last year. The third round pick, the rookie out of Boston College, yeah, Will, Will Harris. Harris. The third round pick, yeah, third round pick, Will Harris. He returned a fumble for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. That was real good. I was glad yeah. to see that. You know, why the Lions draft them where they draft them? Amari or Aurorier is the one who caused the fumble. Yeah. So those are two players. That, you know, the Lions are high on, the fans are excited to see. I'm glad to see him making plays. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget about Jelani Tave. He had a good game when he's in the group. Yes, he did. The fans he in did. our group, our Lions group on Facebook, mm-hmm. about how well he played. Even Spillman and his broadcast partner were raving about him, too. I mean, he's a big guy. He fought blocks better. He got off blocks better. He played the run. He ran guys down. You know, like I said, he, he's not in the, he's not in the WAC conference anymore. He's not playing the Wyoming's yeah. and uh, San Jose States and those other schools anymore. No disrespect to him, but he's mm-hmm. not in the big leagues, NFL. And he has this size. Mm-hmm. He has huge size and strength and quickness to disengage from blocks. He can't take on 350-pound linemen too many times. He's got to learn how to avoid them mm-hmm. or get around them. Like in college, maybe get away with that because they're not as big out there in the WAC conference in college. But he showed why the Lions mm-hmm. took him at number two, the number two draft pick. Um, he showed yeah. some promise. I, I think he's going to eventually be a starter. If not this year, maybe late this season, definitely by next season, 2020. So I saw some good things, mm-hmm. especially out of our rookies on defense. And don't forget, we have, we're not playing with full deck yet. Like several of our starters, like the, the um, Trey Flowers hasn't played it down yet. And we haven't seen the whole game from um, Darius Slay and others, you know, because that's the thing about preachers. You really don't, can't get a good judgment because so many guys are being shuffled in and out, not able to get in the flow of the mm-hmm. game. So that's why I'm not panicking. That's why I don't mind Matthew Stafford sitting out. Save him. You got to save the franchise. Mm-hmm. You don't get him hurt or anybody hurt in a meaningless preseason game. Mm-hmm. See, we already lost um, Jermaine Curse in the first series of the first preseason game last week. So preseason right. is a tricky thing. And I and right. I don't mind Patricia resting the starters as long as he keeps them sharp in practice and work them out. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a, on our next segment. What I saw from the defense, myself, big play from Darius, big play Slay down on that goal line with the pass breakup against Hopkins. The play with a touchdown against Rashawn Melvin. Actually, he played decent defense. Could they have called offensive pass interference? I really don't think so because of the hand fighting. Hopkins is a beast. So, you know, sometimes you win some, you lose some on that one. I'll chalk that up to the game. But actually, Rashawn Melvin had a pretty good, decent game. Tyve, like you said, he had a better game. Your boy is on the bubble. Your boy is on the bubble. And he's continued to struggle in coverage. 
Agnew. I think it's a hype yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Agnew is continuing to struggle, my man. You know who impressed me again this week? And someone else who impressed me this week that didn't play last week? Killer Brew. Oh, yeah. Solid performance from, the, from his linebacker position. Some good, solid tackles. He played very well. And uh, Reese Maven. Reese Maven has been a beast. That guy was all over the field on uh, against the Texans. Good tackling performance. Overall, good play from the defense. The fundamentals returned. They tackled better uh, against the Texans than they did against the Patriots. So that's what I really saw with those guys. They got the, the first sack of the preseason with Aquara. Yes. got the first sack. So they had a very uh, good showing out there in Houston. Big ups to the um, – to Matt Patricia getting those guys uh, in a better position to have a better game. Definitely. Let me see real right. quick. If Agnew is cut, believe me, he won't be on a he won't be on a waiver wire very long. Believe me, he's gonna be picked up right away by somebody, you know. The thing that may save him is his returnability. Yeah. So we'll see. But as far as right now, I think that dude's on the bubble. He's so short. I mean, he's like, what, 5'8"? Five, 5'9". Five, I mean, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I know people say, well, Quandre, but Quandre really moved to safety. I think that was the best for him thing was to move Quandre to safety because of his height issues as well. Now he can play in the box. His tackling ability and his all-around play helps him on the defense better than it does for Agnew. And Agnew reminds me a lot of that... Um, Remember that all-pro uh, kick returner for the Bears? What was his name? You know, um, Devin. Oh, Devin Hester? Yes, exactly. Hester really never played position either. He was strictly return man. So, Jamal right. Agnew is a lot like Hester, yeah. Right. I get what you're saying. Now we got that out the way. Now it is time for two points conversing. This week, two points conversing. You brought it up. In the last segment, we're going to bring it up right now. Matt Patricia is doing a good job, to me, reserving the veterans and most of the starters. Matt Stafford has not played it down in the preseason. Another person who hasn't played it down that's not on any type of injury list, and people kind of really haven't paid attention to it, Jared Davis has not played it down in the preseason at all. Jared Davis has not been on the field. He's saving him as well. You know he had a little injury coming off the end of the season. If you look at Marvin Jones, didn't make the trip to Houston. Stayed at home. Amendola did not play in the game. He hasn't played uh, down in the preseason yet. He is keeping these guys healthy for the season. Snacks Harrison came off the NFI, didn't play the game. Mike Daniels, like you said earlier in the Tell Me Something Good, just had his first practice today. He's been in camp for what? This is his third week or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's keeping these guys fresh, especially the older guys. He wants to make sure that he keeps them ready for the regular season opener. If you look at last offseason, I will say this about Matt Patricia. Sometimes it takes a year to get it right. Last season, he came into training camp with the iron fist. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Glover Quinn said trade me. He didn't like it at all. Veterans were complaining. This season has shown the growth of a coach for Matt Patricia. He's listening to his veterans. The camps are running smoother. Their practices are running smoother. People know what to expect. So the leaders are leading on the team, and he's listening to the leaders on the team. He's saving those guys. He doesn't want to overwork them in the preseason, overwork them 
actually training camp is not officially over with the second preseason game. He didn't want to overwork him at camp. He doesn't over want to want to overwork them in practice right now. He wants to get them ready for the opening game in Arizona. And that's in 19 days. What do you think about that, my man? I think it's very smart. Like I said, preseason is a very tricky thing. You know, you want to get the guys sharp. They got to get some reps in, but you don't want to get your key players, your starters or your stars hurt in a mainly preseason game because you can ruin your season before it even starts. And plus the, the fans of media will be, the lynch mile will be outside your office with the pitchforks and the torches, you know, they be ready to come mm-hmm. get you. I mean, you, you got this guy hurt in the mainly preseason game just like years ago when Steve Mariucci played. Remember, he played the former running back James Stewart in the final preseason mm-hmm. game, ran seven straight times, and he injured his shoulder on a hit by Coy Wire, and he never played again, mm-hmm. you know, that ended his career. That he was an older running back as it was, and they were, but they were kind on him, and he was also in the season. Mary Uchi took a lot of heat for that. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's very smart. I agree if I also remember going way back, back in the 1979 season. I was a kid, of course. I'm not that old. Anyway, <laughs> um, 40 years Anyway, Remember Gary Danielson, the former quarterback? Yes, I remember Gary Danielson. I don't to be the starter that year. He got injured, injured his knee in the fourth preseason game against the Colts in Baltimore. Missed the season. The Lions went 2-14. and 14. So, and you remember Wayne Fines was smart. He never played Barry Sanders in that last preseason game. He said, oh, Barry has yeah. the flu. Or Barry, um, I gave him the day off. Or any old excuse. And we, yeah. Wayne Fox was smart. He protected his key mm-hmm. players, especially Barry Sanders. You know, he never played okay. Barry in that last preseason game because he wanted to risk getting him hurt, getting him hurt, you know, mm-hmm. and ruin the season. So I think Patricia learned that. That's why he's keeping Stafford out and other key guys mm-hmm. out. He's keeping them sharp. I'm sure he's working them out in practice and make sure they hit the weights and do some mm-hmm. running in practice so they stay fresh. So like I said, I want mm-hmm. to come out running Opening day in Arizona, September 8th. What else do you got here for two points conversion? I want to talk, you know, go off the Lions for a minute, but still football related. If you recall earlier this year in the offseason, back in what, um, February, March, I posted in the group a couple of times suggesting should the Lions go after two offensive weapons from Pittsburgh, one or two, or both of them. That was um, Antonio mm-hmm. Brown and Le'Veon Bell. I remember the group was about split 50 50. You know, some guys said, yeah, let's go after both of them. We got the money. And other guys said, hell no. I mean, those guys are headaches. Well, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. Brown went to Oakland and Bell went to the New York Jets. And they both are, you know, proven to be prima down. So I don't see how the Pittsburgh locker room held those two big eagles intact, you know, when they're on the same mm-hmm. team. But, they, you know, Brown with a helmet issue in Oakland, he's missing games, missing practice because he wants a certain helmet. And Le'Veon Bell, they got him. In New York, he sat, he sat out last year. He, he he took a risk. He sat out his last mm-hmm. year in Pittsburgh. He sacrificed $15 million. Caused some drama, you know, with his girlfriend, stealing his money and his, his jewelry out of his, um, his home. I wasn't there. Two girlfriends. Just going to have two women in, there, in your house while you at work. I mean, he's lucky they even called a U-Haul and take everything he had. So... <laughs> He's causing some unnecessary drama in New York and distractions. Well, New York's a big circus anyway. Because remember a couple of years ago when their former starting quarterback was named um, 
got punched in the job and my teammate, who was that? Oh, yeah. Um, I remember that. Who was, um, who was that guy? Um, the quarterback. Oh, in West man. Virginia. Yeah. Oh, man. Gino Atkins. His name right now. Gino. Gino Atkins. And the I remember the Lions, uh, when they played the preseason, the Lions in the preseason, the Lions played, I can't feel my face when I'm with you during the pregame warm-up. That was terrible. Because <laughs> he was there with a broken job. He got hit by so a teammate terrible. who, he owed the teammate. Yeah, the money. linebacker. Yeah, he owed some money. And, yeah. And he got kind of smugged and he got cold cocked in a broken job. I mean, New York is known for the, I'm being a media circus anyway, you know, the Giants and the New York Yankees and, and the Knicks, not mm-hmm. those New York teams. It's a big circus. And and I and I agree. We don't we don't need that kind of drama here. Even though I would love to have either mm-hmm. Brown or Bell, possibly both. I'm glad they didn't can bring their baggage with them. So that's what I got. Right. What about you? The stuff with Le'Veon Bell, the personal issues, stuff issues, I mean, you have to be a better judge of character, especially when it comes to women. However, the heart sometimes or your loins does otherwise doesn't do the smart thing. I can't, you know, I can't judge a man on his, on his pick for, for a woman. Everybody's had, you know, bad dealings with the opposite sex or the individual that they deal with in their love life. So that's his personal life. I think long as he does what he needs to do on the field, I'm fine with Le'Veon Bell. The Antonio Brown thing with the helmet. Here's what I think about the Antonio Brown thing. I think that the Antonio Brown thing is a circus for Hard Knocks. I think that they tr- they needed to have a better story for Hard Knocks right now. Because you look at that team and the way it's constructed, there wasn't going to be a lot of drama in the Raiders camp besides the coach, John Gruden. There wasn't going to be a lot of turmoil there because, you know, when Antonio Brown got there, oh, I'm happy to be here. Oh, this, you know, it's just the, the love story. And then all of a sudden, here you go. You got the frostbite. And if you don't have the proper, they tell you when those those crowd chambers, you have to have the proper footwear, handwear to go on those chambers because it is a danger for frostbite because it's so cold. I don't know. He said he wore the proper footwear and the injury happened with the frostbite. The thing with the helmet, to me, I think is totally staged. I think he just wants to make a little ruckus so they can get some better rating on hard knocks. I don't think that the people are watching just because it's the Raiders anymore, because that's not the same Raiders from back in the day. You know, they're not the, but it's not the same league where the Raiders could be the Raiders like they were back in the day. The 1970s Raiders with John right. Madden and Kenny Stabler. Yeah. Those guys. It's not, it's not the same. The league rules are different. They can't be the same Raiders as they were back then, as my man Boomer uh, from ESPN used to say. I think it's a media circus thing to make sure they get better ratings or hard nuts because I bet you people are going to tune in just because of the fact that with the helmet gate, Antonio Brown saying he doesn't want to play because of the helmet. However, he was in practice today. The helmet that he liked was the shut helmet. Said it's a vision thing. I can't see with it on. He was in practice today with the newer version of the helmet that he likes. I think if it is all going to go away with well, all these grievances with the league, and it just makes for good TV. That's just my opinion. So okay, one of those lines, real quick. Go you ahead. agree with um, both Patricia and Bob Quinn's? You know why they don't want hard knocks? Lines on hard knocks. You agree with them? We, when we talked about this before, I understand. They're a pretty tight lip and close to the vest organization as it is. I mean, they've learned that from the previous place that they were. Bill Belichick's a real tight lip, close to the vest type of guy. 
when it comes to outside of their building. And I understand that. Us as fans, we want to see more of our team. Would I like to see the Lions on hard knocks? I don't have a problem with that. I live in North Carolina. I don't get a lot of the preseason stuff or the workouts. I follow it on Twitter. I watch the press conferences daily with Matt Patricia while they're in camp. Actually, I watch them when he meets the media during the season as well. But I don't get enough Lions coverage here in North Carolina, except for during the season when I see them on the NFL Sunday ticket. So that's the only time I really catch a lot of the Lions stuff. So I don't have a problem with them being on hard knocks because I get more Lions. I don't live in Michigan. I live in Ohio, so I don't get a lot of the Lions coverage. But I understand why they do what they do. If the Lions can turn it around and win, I could care less if they are anything else, but the games are winning on Sunday. Exactly. <laughs> one thing I want to close the two-point conversion out with is one Mr. Eric Reed and his comments about Jay-Z and his social justice initiative partnership with the NFL. Mr. Reed called Jay-Z a sellout because of the deal. My opinion, is it because that Colin Kaepernick's not in the league? Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick signed settlement agreements with the NFL. They said that they were kneeling for social justice issues. Jay-Z comes in and signs a deal for social justice issues. He put their issues or the issues that they're bringing up at the forefront of the NFL. He has a place at the table to fix the issues or at least address the issues, right? So why is he a sellout for getting a place at the table in the league to help with the causes that you kneeled for? It doesn't make any sense to me. Are you protesting that Colin Kaepernick's not in the league? Colin Kaepernick took the, the settlement, the payout, and the collusion case. Is it in... Individuals are saying that Jay-Z could not have signed the deal, should not have signed the deal because Kaepernick's not in the league or made it a stipulation that a team hire Kaepernick before he signed the deal. People, business does not work in that manner. I cannot go into someone's office, like it or not, and tell someone to hire someone. The NFL is a league, but each team is a private business and has a private owner. The commissioner works for the owner. The commissioner cannot go into, and they have not been able to do this. It is an antitrust issue. The the league cannot tell each team who to pick, who to have on their team, who to sign. That's why there's a draft. There's no more assigning players to each to a team. The players drafted to a team or signed in free agency. So the league cannot tell an individual team who they can sign or who they should sign. So the whole thing with the Jay-Z making a stipulation that Colin Kaepernick has to be on the team is utterly ridiculous. Life doesn't work like that. And especially a business doesn't work like that. No, it does. I, I cannot walk into someone's office and tell someone to hire someone if I have no affiliation with the company at all, or if I'm a vendor and say, hey, you have to hire this person for me to sell, for me to carry your products in my store. It doesn't make any sense. Business doesn't work that way. The world doesn't work that way. I think he's a viable quarterback. I think that he could, if he can make an NFL roster and take a tryout, that's fine. One thing that, now I don't know if this is a narrative or not, but there's a narrative that he wants to be a starter. Dude, you've been out of the league for three years. Take a tryout. You know what I'm saying? Here's my thing. You wait on teams to call you. Why aren't you calling teams? You have an agent. 
Why aren't you reaching out to teams? Because here's the thing: you can control. Can you control the? You can't control the narrative if you're saying, "I'm out here. I'm ready. Give me a call." Well, you can also control the narrative by saying, "Hey, these are the teams I contacted. I'm not getting anything back." Because there are plenty of teams where he can fit in their system. People are complaining that you have all these these quarterbacks in the league that are that are less talented than Colin Kaepernick. Sometimes it's being in the right place at the right time, and people. You have to be able to reach out to people. Networking goes both ways, my man. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And I don't, I'm not, now I'm not saying that this is the narrative. I'm not saying this is what's going on at all, but I'm just saying you have to put yourself in a position. Sometimes you have to humble yourself and reach out. Just because of the fact that you were a Super Bowl quarterback a decade ago doesn't make sh- you a Super Bowl quarterback now. And you've been out of the league for three years. Yes. So people are, aren't going to be knocking down the door of a player who's been on the league for three years. You know, get your agent on the, on the horn, schedule some workouts. You know, to me, you know, you took the settlement offer. Is Eric Reed? this is my thing, Eric Reed. you're protesting for social justice issues. Now, are you protesting Colin Kaepernick not being in the league? Or are you, are you still protesting the social justice issues? Because the NFL is trying to address those public, those social justice issues with the initiative they built last year. Individual team now partnership with Jay-Z and Rock Nation. So you brought those issues to the forefront and now they're taking action. What else do you want? Now, it could be just a a good, uh, what do you call that? It could be the league saving face. I don't question Jay-Z's motives. The, the motives of the league can be questioned because of the fact that how, how many years did this thing go on and they not addressed it? You know what I'm saying? It took them that many years to address it. So I can question the motives of the league. I don't question Jay-Z's motives because he's always been out front of who he is and what he stands for. So, I mean, he's a capitalist. I mean, he's always rapped about getting money and making money. And they just, now he's rapping about getting the money the legal way. And if you look at his last few projects, he's talking about building generational wealth for his family and how you can build generational wealth for your family, investing in, um, your credit, you know, what did he, what did he have? He had a line in one of his songs said, what's, what's more, what's better than spending money in the strip clubs? Credit. Yeah. You know, that's a, or, you know, OJ, OJ song. The, the, yeah. The song, uh, the, yeah. Story story of OJ. OJ. Yeah. Yeah. And he, t- he talks about having generational wealth. He may be, he may be that one guy that can break that ownership barrier in the NFL. I'm saying that he's in line to buy a team, but he could be the one individual that can break that barrier and get into the league as an owner or a partial owner. You know, I'm just I wanna, saying. Yeah. Are you familiar with Boyce Watkins, the financial guru? Yes, I am. You know, he brought some up, you know, good point. I remember when Jay-Z was a part owner with the New Jersey Jets, the Nets, excuse me, Nets. He had a mm-hmm. 5% stake in the Nets. He's kind of suspicious of this because the Nets basically used Jay-Z's name and face to buy land in Brooklyn to build that nice arena, you know, billion-dollar arena. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's, he's kind of suspicious of the NFL's motives. Are they using Jay-Z again to kind of, you know, quiet mm-hmm. the, the players and the fans, some of the Black mm-hmm. fans? Is, he, is Jay-Z another being used as a pawn or a tool again? So that's an interesting conspiracy theory. It took money to get Jay-Z into that partnership in the NBA. And it took the hell a lot of more money to get him out of that partnership than it did to keep him in the in that partnership. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
because they had to buy him out. But the issue with him in the NBA and with the reason why he had to leave the ownership for the NBA is the NBA rules state that you cannot be a owner and a agent. Right. He had a sports agency and the and they were like, well, you can't have a sports agency and be a owner in this league. Right. Which is understandable. Just like in the, in the NFL, you can't own a team and be a coach. And that's for, uh, I know one owner in particular out in Texas that doesn't like that rule. Because if that was the case, he'd be on the sideline coaching the team every Sunday out there in Dallas. About Jerry Jones. <laughs> he has yes. the title owner, general manager, president. And, yeah. Lord and yeah. So, uh, and don't forget, uh, George Hallis. Uh, was the owner and coach of the Bears and Curly Lambeau mm-hmm. and the Packers back in the day. Yeah, well, they changed. They and I trust the rules came into effect, and they they made they banned coaches from being owners. The same with what Paul Brown. You know, he owned the uh, the Browns and the, the Bengals. Yeah, Paul Brown, right? So, but that rule had that rule was put into place because they wanted the separation of those duties because they didn't want it to be a, um, a tyranny on a team where the co- the owner controlled too much of the team at one time. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So um, those rules were put in place to protect the organizations and the players. So that was two points conversing. Good topics this week. When we get back, we're going to have an all-pride profile on Alliance legend from my man, Shawnee J. So we'll be back after the break. Jay, who you got for this week's All Pride Profile? This week, I like to profile the Lions' legendary quarterback from the 1950s. Before there was Matthew Stafford, before there was even Joey Harrington or Scott Mitchell, the best quarterback in Lions history was one Mr. Bobby Lane. Bobby Lane was born in Texas in 1926. He was actually the Chicago Bears, someone drafted the 1948 draft. It didn't really work out for the Bears. And he was traded to the New York, to the Lions in 1950, where he quickly became the Lions starting quarterback. And he, Lane, in his nine seasons with the Lions, held almost every passing record, all the passing records, from completions to attempts to yardage to touchdowns and even interceptions. Um, he was a fan favorite, definitely fan favorite. He won, he led the Lions to two NFL championships in 1952 and 53. He was part of the 57 championship team, the last title in Lions history. However, he suffered a broken leg late in the season. And actually, Tobin Rowe was the guy who led, guided the Lions to the last championship. But, but Lang still got a trophy or a ring, if you will. At the beginning of the 1958 season, after two games and a terrible performance, and pulling because he also handled the play-seeking duties for the Lions. He missed a couple of field goals. The Lions traded him unexpectedly to the 
Pittsburgh Steelers, where he finished out his career in 1962. And Bobby Lane was very upset, and his legend would have, have it. Last thing told the Lions was, and on the way out the door, you won't win another thing in 50 years, which became known as the curse of Bobby Lane. And since Lane lost, they only won one playoff game. And the year that the curse supposedly ended was 2008. And we know how 2008 went. So, <laughs> yes. And we want to forget that. Hopefully, the curse was supposed to end 11 years ago. Jeffrey has drawn a lot of comparisons to Bobby Lane. And so, you know, born in the same city, went to the same high school, even was living on the same block that Lane lived in growing up. So, we championships that Lane won as a starting quarterback. He already broke all of his records. Now, let's um, break his championship record. He officially won three wins. Let's get four, Matthew. And Matthew Stafford be in the second half of his career can be our Tom Brady and play 20 seasons. Let's hopefully, you know, Matthew already broke all of Bobby's passing records. Now let's have him break the three titles that won at Blaine Wan with four championships of his own. And can he play at least another six seasons or so and be our version of Tom Brady? Will we be our Tom Brady and play 20 seasons but still be an effective quarterback? So anyway, that's my profile on Bobby Lane. Thank you for your profile. Another excellent edition of the I Pride profile. Next, we have Now You Know. What up, doe? This is Kurt Steele, and welcome to this week's edition of Now You Know. This week, we're going to cover the instant replay. We're going to look at the coaches' challenges, how the replay official comes into play. We're going to look at the new pass interference rule. And finally, we're going to look at what plays are reviewable under the replay system. We're going to read the rule, break it down for you so you can understand a little bit better. So let's hop to it. Rule 15, instant replay. Article one, coaches challenges. Each team is permitted two challenges that will initiate instant replay reviews. One, the head coach can initiate a challenge by throwing a red challenge flag onto the field for the next legal snap or kick. Two, a team that commits a foul that delays the next snap can no longer challenge the previous play. The non-fouling team can still challenge the previous play, and both teams can benefit from the review. Three, the head coach may challenge on-field rulings listed in Section 3 except for those plays that only the replay official can challenge in Article 2, which we'll read shortly. Four, each challenge requires an available team timeout. A team that is out of timeouts or has used all its available challenges may not attempt to initiate a challenge. A team that initiates a challenge when the team is not permitted to challenge will be charged a team timeout. The penalty for initiating a challenge when a team has exhausted all of its timeouts is a loss of 15 yards enforced as a foul between down. One, if a challenge is unsuccessful, the team will be charged a timeout. Two, a team will be permitted a third challenge if it is successful on both of its previous challenges. However, a fourth challenge will not be permitted. So let's break it down. Plain and simple. The coach throws the challenge flag onto the field to challenge a play. They must have a timeout to challenge a play 
or call on the field that is reviewable. The coach can challenge twice per game. If they win both of those challenges, a third is given as long as they have a timeout to challenge. If a coach wins a challenge, they keep their timeout. If they lose the challenge, the timeout is charged to the team. After the two-minute warning of each half, a coach can no longer challenge. If a coach tries to challenge a play without having a timeout, a 15-yard penalty is given to that coach. Now let's get to the players. If a player commits a foul that stops the game clock, his coach cannot challenge the play with the exception of pass interference. But the opposing coach can challenge the next play before the next snap of the ball. So there you have it, your coach's challenges. Now, let's get into the replay officials. Article 2. Replay official requests for review. Only the replay official or the senior vice president of officiating or his or her designee may initiate a review of a play. One, that begins after the two-minute warning of each half. Two, throughout any overtime period. Three, when points are scored by either team. Four, that is a try or attempt, successful or non-successful. And five, when on-field officials rule, one, an interception by an opponent. Two, a fumble or backward pass recovered by an opponent or that goes out of bounds through the opponent's end zone. Three, a scrimmage kick touched by the receiving team and recovered by the kicking team or a disqualification of a player. Plays may be reviewed regardless of whether a foul is committed on that play. If accepted, it will negate the on-field ruling. The replay official may only challenge a play until the next legal snap or kick. The replay official may consult with a designated member of the officiating department at the league office regarding whether to challenge a play. So let's break this down. Plain and simple, after the two-minute warning of each half is when the reviews are always started by the replay official. Replay official. All scoring and plays that result in a turnover by the offense are automatically reviewed to include point after attempts and two-point conversion tries. If a player is thrown out of a game, a review is done to make sure that they deserve to be kicked out of the contest. If a punt or kickoff is touched by the receiving team and recovered by the opposing team, the play is reviewed as well. Let's get into the pass interference. Article 10, pass interference. Whether an act constitutes pass interference by the offensive player or defensive player, this article applies regardless of the foul where pass interference was called or not by the on-field officials. Let's get into it. It doesn't matter if pass interference was called or not called during a play. A coach can challenge to review to see if the foul even happened at all or it was called by mistake or on the wrong player. For example, offensive pass interference was called, but it was actually defensive pass interference. And the play can be challenged for review as long as the coach goes by the guidelines of his coach's challenges, which is what? Two per game, and they cannot challenge after the two-minute warning. And they have to have a timeout to challenge the play on the field. So let's look at section three, reviewable rulings for the replay system. Your play situations that are reviewable, the replay system will cover the following plays and situations for review. One, plays involving possession. For example, was it a completed pass? 
two, plays involving touching either the ball or ground. For example, down by contact. Plays governed by the goal lines. For example, touchdowns and safeties. Four, plays governed by the boundary lines. Was a player out of bounds? Five, plays governed by the line of scrimmage. Were the players lined up correctly before the snap? Six, plays governed by the line of game. Were they trying to get a first down? Seven, number of players on the field before the snap, i.e. 12 players on the field. Eight, game administration to include penalty enforcement, proper down distance, spot of the foul, and status of the game clock. Nine, pass interference, or 10, which is disqualification of a player. There you have it, the replay system, which is a brief overview. Maybe you understand it a little bit better when you're watching the game. So like my man, Biggie Small said, for instant replay, if you don't know, now you know, baby, baby. And now let's get back to the Die Hard Den podcast. We're back from now you know. It is time for us to get on out of here. Shawnee J, tell the people how they can find you on social media. Just go to Facebook, look up Sean Jennings. You'll find me real easy. Um, also, you can send me requests if you want to join Detroit Lions Truist Fan Group. I'm the admin there. I do a lot of posting. I keep everybody updated. People who like Curtis live out of town, not to worry, because I got to keep them up on the Lions News better than their own website does. <laughs> yes, he does keep me up to date in the Truist Fan Group. I am at Curtis Steele, C-U-R-T-I-S-S-T-E-E-L-E. One four on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me in the Detroit Lions diehards page and also the Truest Fan page and a slew of other pages on Facebook, the One Pride page, and also the Matthew Stafford Fanatics page. Thank you for listening. As always, next week we're going to be looking at the dress rehearsal, the third preseason game against the Buffalo Bills. It'll be nationally televised. So get on there, TV, check it out. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And as always, this is Kurt Steele for my man, Shawnee J, and we are out.